Hello and welcome back to Relevant Founders, brought to you by Relevant Software. Relevant is an international software development company that designs, builds and delivers world-class standard products for Fortune 500 companies and promising startups. So, how easy is it to turn a service company into an award-winning software company? Our next guest on Relevant Founders is Eric Simoni, CEO and co-founder of enterprise IoT software company Clearblade, and he has all the details. We had a great conversation with Eric about his winding path to success and why Clearblade is at the top of what they do. In this video, Eric shares his top tips for founders, which are, sometimes you just have to leap and learn to fly, the importance of having a co-founder who can balance you out, getting the best out of a small team, but what you have to watch out for, and why, in the face of adversity, founders should relish the struggle. This and so much more on Relevant Founders. Today, we've got with us our next guest, Eric Simoni. Eric, hello. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Good. Um, so, Eric, uh, CEO and founder of Clearblade, um, started in 2007, I believe, so going for 15 years so far. Eric, before we start talking about Clearblade, so much to get through. I want to know more about you. Tell me something about yourself, which maybe not so many people know. Who is Eric Simoni? Um, gosh, good question. Um... Well, I did, I did improv comedy for a couple of years in Austin, Texas when I lived there. So not, not everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, you know, one of the tools I use is uh, being a CEO is to try to uh, add humor in to a lot of uh, everyday situations. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. It depends on the audience and uh -huh. depends on what comes out of my mouth at any point in time. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. That was something that I wasn't expecting at all. <laughs> Very interesting. Um, okay, Eric, describe to me, tell me and the listeners, what is Clearblade? Tell me your mission at Clearblade. Sure. So Clearblade is an Internet of Things edge computing and AI software company. And we have a product. Uh, one of our products is called Intelligent Assets, which puts the power of, of these technologies into the hands of normal people, mm -hmm. operators as opposed to technologists. So, so they can use them in their everyday world to, to monitor equipment and track equipment, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so there's been quite a journey, 15 years, as I said, uh, right at the beginning there, going for some time now. Tell me, what do you have to do to become the industry leader in, you're saying here, intelligent assets, edge AI, um, IoT? What was your journey behind this? How did you get to where you are now? So a lot of it is vision. Um, I had built a company in the 90s. Uh, around client server software services company. I was uh, in the Bay Area from 94 to 2000. So I, I caught the entrepreneurial bug then uh, after some years at IBM. Um, and in doing this, having that experience was critical because I saw the transition from mainframe to PC to cloud, mm -hmm. uh, early internet, I should say, before cloud. Um, and then when, when I started Clearblade, it was really to first do similar like projects around modernizing enterprise software. Mm -hmm. And then in 2013, my CTO and I decided to build software for Internet of Things. So the first part of our journey 
was services. And really since then, it's been all about software and having that experience of knowing that compute constantly pendulum swings between centralized processing and distributed. Mm -hmm. So our vision for edge computing and the way we built our software was extremely early to the market. We're going to come back to this in a second because I can see there would be quite a lot of challenges that come with that. And I can imagine some, some big pivots as well. Um, tell me, how did you come up with the idea to build Clearblade? So after doing this by hand for so many years, we, we did it for really big companies. Um, my, my CTO, Aaron, and I, we just said, there's got to be a better way to do this digital transformation. And this was really early days of Internet of Things. So, so we said, look, let's, this is the next big thing, right? Um, you saw that the cloud was, was, was really starting to roll at that point and mobile devices, smart, smart mobile devices uh, were becoming uh, um, prevalent everywhere. And so we, we looked at mobile and then my CTO and I said, hey, look, it's going to be everything, not just mobile devices. So let's build a product that can run in any cloud or, or on premise and run at the edge. And no one was talking about edge computing in 2013, but mm -hmm. luckily we weren't wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What um, kind of what year did your CTO start saying, actually, let's do this for everything? 2013. So oh, it was late 2013. It originally started with me saying, hey, look, let's build. There was a market for a short period of time called mobile backend as a service. If you look at 2013, 2014, companies like Parse and, and Convey, I can name them all. Parse got bought by Facebook. Mm -hmm. um, they were doing these things. And we just felt like let's do this in an enterprise way because we were used to big business and let's do it for every device. And that really, uh, Aaron Allsbrook's brainchild was let's, let's go make this ubiquitous for everything. And um, that was really early uh, in, in, in the Internet of Things ecosystem to do that. And, and we're still here. Uh, it's doing amazing things with IoT and really edge computing. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, my brain is <laughs> exploding with questions there, which I want to pick up, but I'm going to take this one by one right from the beginning. So let's go straight back to the beginning, to the early days. What did the original MVP look like? So, yeah, oh, great. It, um, it looked like um, it looked like warmed over dog food. I'll tell you, <laughs> um, it was it was from a UI perspective, not very impressive, but but there were some decisions that were made that were incredibly smart and prescient. And again, I'm gonna give Aaron a lot of credit here. I'm the guy who basically said, go build me a box, right? Mm -hmm. Virtual box, we only do software, but build me a box that uh, can run in anyone's cloud that uh, knows how to interact with enterprise systems, legacy systems that can scale to millions and millions of devices cost effectively, that's secure from the ground up and, um, and is extremely cost effective. And, and my CTO just, on the, he was on the phone at the time. He just said, is that all you want? He's like, you're <laughs> absolutely insane. And we act, it, it, wasn't just a, it wasn't just one discussion. It was three months of debate. And uh, it was one day where Aaron called me back and said, I think I can do this. And I said, done. You have the job now of retooling the team and building a team to go do this. I have the job of transforming what was at that time about 35 person services business, mm -hmm. really transforming it into a software business, which is a much harder task than I realized at the start. Mm, tell me about that. Why was that a harder task? Well, because what I didn't realize and uh, was that we needed to completely change our personnel. And, and look, when, when, when I build companies, 
these folks are not just employees, they end up being family friends of, your, of mine. So it was very gut-wrenching to make that transformation, but I worked really hard to find homes, right, jobs for all these people because they were really smart people. They just didn't fit the new, um, the new paradigm for what we we're going to be. Um, so I spent a good year and a year and a half really working with my colleagues to say, hey, look, this person's really good at this. You should bring them on. Uh -huh. so we really took a 35-person company down to five. Wow. Uh -huh. yeah. Okay. Um, we'll come back to that in a second. So what was the thing that um, pushed Aaron to actually agree to it in, in the end? You know, after the three months and he said, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Good question. Um, one, me just bugging him <laughs> was one. Uh, I think part of it was we had distance from each other too. I was in Austin at the time. He was in Raleigh. So that helped uh, each of us to gain perspective. But I, I think there's always been greatness in him. And he always wanted to do something like this. Mm -hmm. And he's a he's one of these people that researches and thinks. And it just took me, I'm a, I'm a extreme risk taker, right? I, I jump and then you probably hear this from a lot of entrepreneurs, but you know, if I have an idea, I jump and then figure out how to fly. Not always the best, but Aaron's the balance to me. He's the opposite. He's a planner and he's a deep thinker. And so he did his research and then he found he, he found a way to go do this. And he made some amazing um, te technological decisions then that today would be a no brainer, but you go back to 2013 and they raised eyebrows. One of those was protocol called MQTT, which is very prevalent today. And the other is a, a language called Go, which is what we use to develop all our software. In. So it sounds to me actually, it was the perfect kind of partnership to actually balance each other out. If you're a risk taker, Aaron's more the one that thinks from through actually balances both you out perfectly. What, so you said that you took down from 35 to five. Um, what were the challenges at the beginning from building your product from a five person team? What were the challenges that came with that? So one, it was a new team, right? We, 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 we brought in all new folks for that. And there's, there's besides Aaron and myself, there's one other person in the business that's from that era. Um, and the challenges were, um, again, there was no roadmap. For, for what we were building here. There were examples of what other people were doing, but um, we didn't follow necessarily, we, we, we followed some of those ideas like serverless computing, API based, all this stuff. But we, we forged our own path and engineered it in a completely different way. And even today, um, when you look at our competitors or the, or the ecosystem of the marketplace, all of those folks has, have built the software in what I would call the traditional way using um, other, cloud companies components to build them. Mm -hmm. We took an approach that's more like a 1980s approach, which is we built everything ourselves from the ground up, wow. which is a very long engineering path, right? We use some open source, but we really, we really try to, to innovate internally here mm -hmm. and then make it as open and, and usable as possible. There is so, in-house, no outsourcing, nothing. No outsourcing, nothing. Uh, and I'll tell you what's to me, the most amazing part is that core team is still together in an era of really hard to, you know, these are all very young at the time development professionals. Now those folks are in their thirties and they've stayed with us the entire time. Wow. So you've got, I used to call them kids, uh, uh, interns out of, you know, different schools like Texas state. We did a lot of stuff in Austin mm -hmm. and they're, they're now leading major, major product, uh, uh, releases and, and they've been with us now, you know, eight, 10 years. It's amazing. So when, uh, obviously not outsourcing at the beginning, was that something you did as you started to grow? No, nope. wow. we never did it. We still don't do it. We stayed very small as a company. 
and that's by design because what we've I've learned over the years is very good software is typically built by very small dedicated teams. Now we're adding to the the, the team, but we we've stayed you know very true to our engineering, mm-hmm. and um, and that allows us to maintain quality control, maintain security. I'm not saying we won't outsource some stuff as we move forward. I think we're starting to look at some things now. Mm-hmm. But we, we did it in a, like I said, maybe because I'm old school, did it in an old school way. And I'll tell you what, it really, it really helped us during the pandemic because we've stayed small, even though we didn't outsource, we've stayed small and those teams know each other very well. And so we, we hunker down and work on product during 2020 and 2021. And that's really what gave birth to this intelligent assets. Mm-hmm. I can imagine, you know, I mean, so much bad come out of COVID, but so much innovation came out as well and hard work um, from people keeping their head down, heads down, basically. Yep. Tell me, um, so how big is your team now? Did you... So we're roughly 35 people. 35 people. We're still really small, yeah. but we punch way above our weight because we've got really big clients uh, globally. And part of this is we have good partners. We, we, we know what we, we don't want to get back into, which is services. We let our partners handle all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, we've been around so long that we get recognized we're getting uh going a long way with some of the big cloud providers you'll i can't i'm not at liberty to say anything today but watch clearblade next month there's some big announcements coming up nice interesting okay definitely keep our eyes peeled on that um eric tell me um with regards to obviously 35 in the team what have what has been the challenge challenges uh, that have come with keeping it small I, i know obviously you're saying that it has been very good what have been the challenges so uh, burnout, number one, right? Um, you've got engineers that are working at an extremely high level. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things we implemented way back when, which I think has helped, is a, a no vacation policy, meaning you don't have to request vacation. You just have to take it. Uh-huh. Just let us know. Um, take as much as you want during a year. Um, that no, takes no. self-correct. Yeah, so there's no... There's there and, and, and there's the positive of that is people have that flexibility and the freedom to to go make sure that they don't burn out. The negative is because you have such a hardworking team, everyone looks around and when no <laughs> one's taking vacation, you almost have to push people out the door to say, hey, it's time. I think that trust has gone a long way with you know the, the retention and 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 the camaraderie of the team and. You know, this everyone's got a piece of the company too. That's a big part of it. They all have they all have a, a stake. But um, the fact that we we treat everyone like professionals when they come in the door, right? Whether right out of school, even as interns, we treat our interns very well. And and people will stay if if they believe in the mission and if the work quality is high and the people around them are really really uh, excellent engineers. And and that that's the glue that holds everything together. That's the um, that's the mass. And, and then my job is to, to, to make sure that I watch and make sure that that quality aside, make sure people aren't getting burned out and make sure when, if, and, and when we make uh, a hire that doesn't fit, that we correct that because that has, um, sometimes that'll have um, negative effects that you don't see if someone's not performing at the level that others are. We'll go on to that in a second on hiring and speaking about the team. But before we do, talk to me about, so let's talk from, let's say, 2013. What has been the biggest or some of the biggest challenges which you have faced from the change of the industry up until now? Um, gosh, that, 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 that everyone co-ops the same words. 
So it's rising above the noise. So it's a, 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 a funny story that I'll get to that. The name Clearblade actually means cut through the BS, uh -huh. which so, so as a software person, in, even in the 90s, I got frustrated by the promises that marketing and sales made versus the reality of what the software did. And so we vowed to, to, to make sure that we always live up to uh, what we say uh, our software does is what it will do. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the challenge has been, that's not the same for lots of companies, right? Marketing is, and maybe that's one of our weaknesses. We're not a extremely you know, like loud marketing company. Um, but the, when you have every other 700 companies jump into IOT all of a sudden, right? Amazon all of a sudden buys one of our peers and says, we're going to do IOT and we're going to make it free, right? That's, that's a bit, that's a bit of a challenge, right? But over the years, we've always been ahead on the engineering. And when our customers uh, compare Clearblade to others, the, the cost, the ability to scale, um, no one beats us head to head from a technology standpoint. We have extreme confidence there. The hard part is when you're with a big company, it's pretty easy to bet on Amazon. It's pretty hard to bet on Clearblade, right? Mm -hmm. That's the biggest challenge is, is the size of the business and, and the confidence that people have. And I just think being patient is something that's not, I am not a patient person, mm -hmm. but I have learned that you just stick to the mission, one foot in front of the other and keep knocking down those new customers, keep knocking down those new partnerships. And the industry will recognize the difference of what we've built over others with time. Mm -hmm. You can't just do it quietly. You're gonna to have to start doing podcasts like I'm doing, right? Um, doing uh, more marketing, mm -hmm. but, um, the truth is there in the engineering and we can prove it. What about building or building this product that you've got here? How, what has been the biggest tech challenge from building it? Gosh, that's good. Um, you know, uh, I think it's making those, those key engineering decisions early and mm -hmm. defending them, not straying from that. So again, we went about it a very different way and it's proven out over time. So not jumping on, the latest bandwagon like um, uh, containers, right? Containers aren't bad, they're excellent. We use containers, but we don't require it for a product. We do it because we, we people are educated on containers. They deploy other software with these containers. And now we've built it in to our distribution mechanism for working with other software. But we didn't engineer a product when containers were around. So we run on bare metal. So we now give companies that flexibility. Blockchain's another one. Every time I see something new, I'll talk to my CTO and say, hey, how are we using this? And it's like, well, we integrate with it, but I don't see a really good use case for this, this, this. But, you know, when, when one comes, I'll let you know. So, again, that discipline between me being idea guy, you know, reading up on things, jumping on the latest trend, and, and, and Aaron being the researcher uh, really, really keeps our vision from getting out of control, right? Stick to your knitting. It also keeps the team from getting too big because you don't start going in 18 different directions. You stick to your core, you deliver on that IoT core, that, that product core, but you deliver cross industry. That's also a huge challenge. So when the VCs look at you and you say, wait a minute, you're in the rail industry, you're in the aerospace industry, you're in agriculture, you're in water, um, you're in uh, uh, aerospace, I may have said that one, you're, 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 you're too, too many places, right? And 
from an engine, the engineer in me says, well, we designed a product that is not vertical specific. The business side of me agrees with them says, okay, but how are you going to penetrate a market like, like rail and then go focus somewhere else? And the answer to that is we're really over time going to be a channel business. So like, for example, oil and gas, we're not oil and gas experts, but I'm working with one of the largest oil and gas services companies in the world, and they're selling to the top 25 oil and gas companies using our product. So we're like, the analogy I use is like, we're like Intel inside. Mm -hmm. So you use Clearblade, someone else builds an oil and gas uh, drilling product, right? Or, or, or an upstream flow product, whatever it is. They sell it to their customers, but that engine happens to be Clearblade under the covers, right? Mm -hmm. So business model is a huge challenge. So you've got to be patient for your customers to go build their solutions on your product. You got to help them get there quicker, but um, you have to be patient and let that market evolve. And, and I believe uh, the turtle will win the race over time. Obviously we've been at this for a while, but lots of others have come and gone and we're still here. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm very, very bullish on the next few years. I think the pandemic had a little bit of delay for, for, for our coming out party. I mean, it's had a delay for everyone and um, I'm glad we as a company have survived it and come out better. Tell me there, you were talking about the different industries which, um, which you're able to provide for. Was there one or another industry which is more difficult to provide for? So you've got obviously the oil and gas, your aerospace. Is there a specific injury which, injury in um, industry which was the most difficult yeah. to? Probably the one we got started with first is, is class one rail in North America. So we work with the, the biggest rail providers. Um, and that was just because one of our very early customers needed edge computing, right? So the rail industry is 150 years old, right? So there's lots of legacy equipment out there. Um, and, and I'm not allowed to, another reason, I'm not allowed to use names in the rail industry because it's almost like working with the federal government. They get very upset. Oh you start name dropping. So I'll just say major class one rail providers, um, they needed to monitor uh, railroad crossings for um, efficiency, for operational ease, for safety, uh, for when things like a hurricane hit, um, instead of having to roll a truck to go inspect physically these locations, they can get the data coming off of these crossings and know exactly what's going on. We started with that industry. That industry is very, um, safety conscious, which is what it should be. They're not the fastest industry to move. They're methodical. And it's also engineering wise, very constrained, very rough environments, right? So that was a challenge, but it also was a, was a benefit to us because our engineering had to be so good that you could run on a railroad crossing in the middle of nowhere with no connectivity mm -hmm. and your product had to work. Um, you had to work in non-cloud environments. You have to work on-premise behind the firewall working with other software components that they've had for 30, 40 years, right? That's, that forced us to be very good at what we did. Um, so I would say that that was a blessing because we, in some ways, were born out of that industry. While we did other things, the rail industry was the one that put us really, really hammered on us to get this get this right and, and make sure our, our software was hardened and, and, work, and, and could work. And then you've got all the regulatory and everything else. You have to sit on committees and, 
and be part of an industry. And now that we've done that for gosh, going on eight years now, um, our name is known. And, and now that's picking up, excuse the pun, picking up steam within rail. And, um, and, and it's extremely fascinating to see, but it's not, it's not your typical startup story, right? Where I'm gonna go into an industry that's a fast moving, fast paced, innovative. It's a slow, steady move. But again, patience and perseverance will win out, I think, over, over, over speed in this case. Tell me, so actually you spoke there um, about um, being on kind of boards and stuff like this. And I've seen that you're a uh, co-chair for one of the, um, correct me, um, but basically Intelligence sure. um, Committee. What, um, tell me about the experience of being on that. What has been the most kind of eye-opening moment on that committee, which has helped you building what you're doing now? So the Internet of Things community, and I'm glad you asked this, um, the people running that are amazing. Um, I was part of groups before that um, when you talked about Internet of Things, they didn't understand things like a railroad crossing, right? It's not a consumer device. They're talking about doorbells mm -hmm. and alarm systems and consumer devices, which I'm not belittling those products, but it's not the world we live in, not the world Clearblade lives in. So when I found the Internet of Things community, they were building um, a group with, with the big players in there, the IBMs of the world, the Red Hats of the world, the SASs of the world. And, um, and Clearblade took, was, was really involved early and, in, in, and thankfully to, to, to the leaders there, they recognized that we were saying and doing interesting things. So they elevated our status to say, look, you guys are, are you know, I get called the godfather of edge computing, which just means I'm old, <laughs> but um, I, it, it's very nice. The fact that we get that platform to cut through the noise mm -hmm. and be able to, to educate the market with our peers, right? And, and a lot of times you're going to have these big companies that have competing products. But when you really start working with these companies, you realize, hey, look, we're not as competitive as you may think. And so it, it's led to some really good partnerships for us. Companies like SaaS, we just went public with, with them um, a month ago. Mm -hmm. SaaS is the world leader in analytics. They've been around for a long time. Again, another company that was slow and methodical, that's really huge now. And, and um, following you know, in their footsteps and working with these other big companies and being a leader in this market has been really helped raise our profile. Mm -hmm. uh, and it allows, it also forces me and forces my team to think about how to explain this better. Most of my job, and I've got 3000 PowerPoints to prove it, is, is in creating slides to try to explain this abstract thing, which is IoT and AI and edge computing in a way that, that makes sense. And, and now we have real customer case studies and stories that we can tell. So that platform has, has really helped us um, raise our profile, but it's also, uh, I think we've given a lot back to, to what it is to do these things, what it is to run AI at the edge. That's mm -hmm. the next frontier that we've been tackling and, and I think that's where everything's going over the next few years. I mean, it is exactly what you're saying there with the ability to be able to explain such complex things so simply so anyone can understand, yeah. Tell me a little bit um, about challenges concerning edge, yeah? So obviously yeah. edge uh, computing has its downsides. It has its security breach, uh, vulnerability, physical maintenance, time and cost, connectivity issues. What do you think of them and how are you at Clearblade um, tackling them? So um, 
I think the biggest challenge with edge right now it's supply chain, getting mm -hmm. equipment so you can run at the edge, right? So we have a lot of customers waiting uh, for months for equipment. Notwithstanding that, I think it's uh, managing that edge and, and deployment of, of how you do firmware updates, how you do software updates at the edge. We do that extremely well. Mm -hmm. uh, security, while it's a concern, it's not been a, the biggest of our problems. And I think it's because of the way that we address security um, and, the, and the way that these edge devices are, when we work with these companies like the rail industry or, or manufacturing, you have to jump, you have to make sure that you work with their departments so you get access to those edges. So they're very locked down mm -hmm. um, and they will continue to be. So I don't think it's as big of an issue right now um, down the road, yes. Um, and we have to make sure that we, we keep an eye on it. But if you have software running on those edges that is security conscious, that's been built from the ground up with security in mind, you're gonna be fine. I think it's, it's the legacy stuff that didn't have secure passwords or, you know, the, the ID and password is password and, and, uh, and password, right? <laughs> There's been a lot of that in the past. Um, I think the challenge I see with edge is the definition of it means something different to absolutely everyone. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of companies that talk about edge computing that are building products just to orchestrate edge, meaning how do I push my application down to the edge? And I think, that that it's watering down the problem it's that's part of it but i think it's really what's your what's your application what's the runtime at the edge and what if you know basically what clearblade is is like a step above an operating system i call it an iot core we sit on top of something like red hat or any linux distribution so in a way we're more like an operating system that allows you to run um, and configure monitoring of any device through our product so we focus more on what I, I considered a full function edge, uh, enterprise edge, where others are talking about parts of the problem around the edges. Mm. I didn't mean to make that pun, but, um, and that's the big challenge because this may sound arrogant, but I'm gonna say it, we are so far ahead in our engineering and our understanding of what edge computing does and can do that um, others are playing catch up at this point. And the hardest part is to differentiate what someone read on a website or heard in a commercial versus what we do. And that's why it's got to get to the engineers, it's got to get to the proof points where you say, look, we'll, we'll show you in, 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 in a week, mm. as opposed to what may take months uh, for someone else. How are you doing that though? I just can't get my head around how you are getting so far ahead with actually a very small team um, as well. How, how are you doing this? So great question. Our product in the cloud, when we built it is the same product we put on the edge. So every piece of engineering that went into our patents and our product that started in 2013 was designed for the smallest computer in the cloud. Therefore it was designed for the edge, if that makes sense. So our entire, I'm gonna get nerdy here for a second. Our entire runtime is 35 megabytes. It's mm -hmm. The fact that we spent this many years and created 35 megabytes of, of, of an executable is a little bit fascinating to me, but um, because our, we focused on building it as small and as efficient as possible, and with the edge in mind, now we are so light years ahead of any, anyone else that's starting because it's taken this long to get here. Um, so that that's why we're ahead, and that's why it takes a small team because... Um, they're extremely uh, 
they're all extremely good at what they do and they've stayed together. And one of the reasons we don't outsource is because um, we'd have to we'd have to bring that group up to speed and bring them really into the inner circle. And by the time we do that, it makes more sense to hire them full time. Mm -hmm. you, know, and our, you know, and our folks are and with the pandemic too. Another thing that helped is our people are able to live wherever they want to. Yeah. Right. We were all in, in Austin mostly. And then what happened is people started working remote. Um, a few people moved out to Boston. We have a few in Seattle area, one in Denver, but because we were so good already at working remotely, this just accelerated our ability to, to use all the tools, Slack and teams and it like everyone else has, but standups and everything from a development standpoint, our team got extremely good at mm -hmm. just it helps us with hiring going forward so we can hire from any market now mm -hmm. tell me so obviously you're saying that obviously you're ahead partly thanks to getting ahead of the of the competition really at the beginning when you started this as well tell me um about pivots obviously <laughs> being there would have been a lot of moments when there are going to be some pivots uh, in your experience what was the biggest pivot so far so obviously 2013 was when mm -hmm. we went from a services company to a software company mm -hmm. and it changes your complete mindset. I think the second step of that pivot was what I call cutting the last cord of services happened in 2016, I think 2017, we still had a couple big clients that were help paying the bills. And even though it wasn't on our product, we enjoyed that revenue. And then once those projects ended, we made a conscious decision never to do services again. And that's like taking the safety net out from under your, your revenue, right? So, um, and I didn't raise money in a traditional way. Um, I have 70 of my closest individual investor friends on my cap table, including wow. myself, and, and one um, group in Austin called Align Capital that supported us. But we, I've again, gone a different route. And while that's been difficult because it's almost like bootstrap funding is, is a good way to think about it. Um, and I, and I love my investors. This is the thing that I've learned over the last few years as, as we've had more success and as we've grown, um, anytime that we've needed capital, those investors have stepped up. Um, uh, just a few months ago, I, I put an email out to my investors and raised that's in sync. And, and it was, I, I didn't realize the power of my investor community. Tell me that again. So, it it yeah. just froze, and I'm not sure if the oh. so tell me. So you just raised how much? It was a, a million dollars, and a, and I did it with my existing investors, and we did it in in half a day. Wow. And I've never had that much success before, but it's it's because we communicate every month with our investors. We tell them what we're doing. We tell them what our customers are doing. They have access to me anytime they want, uh, and. They, they really truly see where the market's going. The market has helped us, right? Uh, six, seven years ago, I remember having drinks with Aaron and he's like, you know, this edge computing thing, if we're wrong about it, we're probably out of business. Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, you're probably right. I said, but isn't that what we're supposed to do as entrepreneurs is swing for the fences. And if you miss, well, so be it. Um, and, and, and more than that, I said, I know we're not wrong. I mean, that, again, it sounds arrogant, but it just was in my bones. I said, there's no way we can be wrong about this. And, and it's been really refreshing to see that edge computing now is everywhere. Um, we just have to continue to stay ahead of it. So um, the pivots have been, I think, besides the major pivot of becoming a software company and the discipline to be being a true software company, 
I think the hardest part has been that, you know, when is that, when is that big boom going to happen where just people are calling Clearblade every day and we can't keep up with the business. Mm -hmm. It's been waiting for that to happen. And just about when we think it is like, I, I, I gave a speech in our Christmas party at 2019 and said, 2020 is the year. And it was, uh, it was going to be because in the beginning of March we had, I'll, I'll disclose this. I won't tell you who the customers were. I had $8 million of contracts disappear oh, wow. that were, that were contracts that were one contracts. Wow. They, 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 we were at the point of signature. And when you, when you experience that, you say, okay, it's not a pivot, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's okay. Let's, let's make sure that we're, we can survive this. And are we a good enough company? And I've been extremely proud at how we've come out of this. And there's still challenges, like not, nothing like you're dealing with in the Ukraine. Um, but there are challenges worldwide right now with, with everything. And again, patience, perseverance, and conviction. That this is our vision. The market's going this way. Keep succeeding at your core customers, which we are. Start now telling those stories. And um, now we're approaching the point where a couple of these customers in a big way are going to start telling the story. You're going to see some big names. And that's what we're doing. Did these companies that uh, dropped out at the last minute, have they since come back? Nope. Um, they sell, you know, one of them, um, Foghorn sold to Johnson Controls in January of this year. Um, and smart move by Johnson Controls. And I really, really, Foghorn was one of the companies that was a peer and I really respect, respect mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, but they raised uh, too much money and didn't generate enough revenue. And in a way, if you have too much success raising money early, you set a clock, right? That says, if you're not, if you're not growing like this, then, um, then it's time to sell. So I look back and it's a blessing that I was horrible at money raise <laughs> several years ago because it didn't put us in that predicament. So we, we forced to stay small, forced to be very efficient with our capital and forced to wait for our time um, and that forced patience is going to pay off. I, I see it happening now. How do you deal with, okay, so you said about the 11, um, 8 million, um, not lost, but didn't receive yeah. 8 million. How do you deal personally with those blows and saying, mm -hmm, let's keep going? Well, great question. Uh, well, one, I'm very fortunate to have a wife and, and, and two kids that support me. That's number one. Um, she's been with me since my first startup in the 90s, right, right. in the Bay Area. Um, uh, I, I find ways to get away and, and go exercise, right? So uh, that's big to clear my head. Um, and, uh, you know, really having just a great team of people that, man, anytime we, we hit, we, we hit a, 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 a bump in the road like that or a, or a mountain in the road, Talk about a team that rallies together. Uh, they there's never any any fear, or at least fear that I see. And the engineering team just says, "Okay, we're going to go double down and do this, right?" And my sales team says, "Okay, let's go focus on this." And um, and it's truly truly. This is why I like this size. Thirty five people is like a family atmosphere. You can still have that touch and feel. So they motivate me as much as I motivate them because anytime that I'm worried about something, I talk with my execs, they'll say, but look at the great things we're doing over here. And, mm -hmm. and, and this company is growing over here. And have, have I shown you the performance numbers lately on their latest release? 
we just cut CPU by 50% for Ream. I can mention them because they're a big customer that's done case study with us. And when you have companies that are succeeding on your software and paying you and engineers that are excited about the improvements they're making, it's just a matter of time. So I, when we get handed this stuff, you know, I feel like I've been worried about um, how do we stay alive since 2013? It's been a constant pressure. And, and realizing that nothing that's happened in the past has killed us yet. So nothing will in the future, as long as we don't get over our skis and start spending money too fast or raise too much money and spend it, just stick to our knitting. Yeah. Know that our time, yeah, know that our time is going to come. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where you got Erin to slow you down a little bit if that ever comes. Oh, yeah. Tell me exactly what he does is yeah. anytime I want to go hire a bunch of people because we're going to grow massively, he's like, why don't we wait until we see the growth? Then we'll hire. I said, mm -hmm. that's a good idea. I guess this could be another challenge for you as well as, as the founder, as a CEO, is the challenge of obviously you've liked it for so long to be so small, so small, smaller team. And yeah. the challenge to actually make it bigger and to lose maybe that family feel. Um, yeah. is, I guess, a risk. It is, but, you know, I think once you have a, a good core, that proliferates out. Now, I don't think we're ever going to get to the size that, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees. Um, I think our vision is we're going to stay small engineering focused firm. When I say small, maybe a few hundred people. It could go gangbusters. And realistically, you know, when, when people look at our future, yeah, I, we could go public in a few years. That could be a path, mm -hmm. but I see more likely path. It's going to be one of the major, if I were to guess, one of the major cloud providers um, is going to acquire us. And, and I'm in no hurry for that. If it's five years down the road, great, right? I want, I keep joking with my team as we have success, because we've been working so hard. I want a few years of victory laps where, look, it's, it's never going to be easy. I saw a speech by a Duke basketball coach, women's basketball coach a couple of weeks ago. It was a great speech. It was about saying, just when you, you know, don't believe that sometime in the future, this is going to get easier. The struggle is the gift, right? The grind is the gift. So learn to embrace the fact that you're doing something that's meaningful. Your day is filled with excitement and, and, and disappointments and stress and, and euphoria. And gosh, at 55 years old, I'm lucky to be in that position, right? You know, I feel like I'm 27 when I did the first one. So that energy, you have to embrace and own it, swallow it and, and say, this is what, this is what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that relieves my stress. There are times where I get stressed, but when I start really thinking about, I mean, this is, even when you're on vacation, you know, after a week, you jump right back into it because it's what you love to do. I just can't imagine that amount of pressure, as you said, since 2013 though, and that pressure that is constantly on your shoulders, incredible. Tell me, um, just a little bit more about the future. What do you see the future trends um, arising, emerging in AI and IoT over the next kind of couple of yeah. years, let's say? Sure. Well, I've been saying this for a while. IoT needs to become more ubiquitous because we, it, by every metric, we've 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 not achieved. We've failed to to reach where we should be. It's because it's too hard. So we, I call, I have the saying too many IOT science experiments. We have to stop that. We're building it too low of a level. So you're starting to see that, not just from Clearblade, but from other companies where you can put the power of the technology into the hands of the business people and the operators. So they don't need to be, have a computer science degree or a data science degree. They can, they can put the power of this 
into the monitoring their factories and their their railroads and, and et cetera. But what's really what else I'm excited about is moving artificial intelligence out of the cloud to the edge. Mm. And I've got customers doing this today with us where they're taking models that they've built in the last 10, 15 years in various technologies. And they're able to export those models into Clearblade and run it in our runtime at the edge. AI has been mostly stuck in the cloud, right? Because there are these big, these models are big, heavy things that need cloud computing. Well, now there's some, some, some open standards. Uh, one of them is uh, ONNX that we've embedded in our technology to then unleash the power of some AI model that was written 15 years ago, take it out of the data center, out of the cloud and run it on a small edge compute device in the factory, on the boat, at the drilling site that may be in the middle of the ocean because you can't stream terabytes of data over a satellite feed cost effectively mm -hmm. to, a, to a cloud. That I'm super excited about this because um, edge AI is the next frontier and um, we, we're right there because of all the work we've done over the last, you know, is 10 just, plus years. Is it just the beginning then, would you say? It is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, um, because most of what people do at the edge today, I wouldn't even call edge computing. It's maybe you're, 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 you're transmitting a different protocol. You're doing some calculations and moving that to the cloud. What we've done with edge, even before the AI stuff, uh, is so much more powerful. We can run a complete system at the edge, disconnected. That includes visualizations. That's all the analytics, all the rules. And that's why we get selected by very big companies when they do, they'll spend a year of analysis on Clearblade versus all the others. And then when the engineers get their hands on it, they say, these guys are the best. And then the execs go, who? At least we're out there a little bit more now, but they go, okay, Clearblade. And that engineering is now paying off. Um, so getting that out in the world and, and, and stop telling technical stories, start telling business stories about ROI and capability and how we're doing this in a big way. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just starting. And again, I can't mention names right now, but in a, in a few months, um, you're going to see some pretty big endorsements by some pretty big folks. What advice for our listeners in particular, all of these founders that are either starting on their journey or mid journey, struggling, whatever, what would be your advice, which for example, what do you know now, which you didn't know 27 years ago when you started out? Wow. Um, there, okay. What I know now is all the things that can go wrong, <laughs> which, which is also one of the problems with it, with wisdom and experience is it, I think you have to put yourself back in that younger version of you to be fearless. So I would say, keep that part of you, right? Keep that. I can do anything mentality like you're 27 or whatever age, right? And, and all of the things that you've learned that could go wrong along the way, don't let that hinder you. All that is, is extra input, extra data to help you navigate those rough waters when you, when you run into them. Mm -hmm. so keep that confidence. The other, but the thing I've learned in all those years is, boy, be a better listener. Um, listen to the people around you that think differently, that maybe don't have your same risk profile, that maybe are a little bit more thoughtful and, and, and research-oriented. Um, and, and again, I'm specifically talking about Aaron Ellsberg, my CTO, because as you can imagine, when you're that much different in personality, there are conflicts, right? And I think we reached a great middle ground 
mainly because I started listening better. Um, I've always been big at trust, but then listen and, and, and now have that, that feedback loop on both sides where he's, he's met me halfway where he now takes bigger risks than he used to. And I'm more cautious than I used to. I, I often joke with him. I said, now I'm the paranoid CEO that's always looking at runway and making sure that we have enough. And he's like, I'm so glad that you worry more than you used to. It makes me sleep better at night. So I'd say my advice would be um, listen um, and, and, and learn to be patient um, because not every startup is going to be an overnight success. In fact, most are not. Um, and, and some of the best stories are the ones that take the longest and enjoy the journey while you're doing it. Um, eventually, if, 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 if you have a great team, if they're building a product that matters and is superior to others, you'll, you'll succeed. Hey guys, it's me again. If you enjoyed this episode of the show, be sure to press the thumbs up button below. And also while you're there, hit subscribe. Otherwise you can miss out on all of our interesting content we've got coming your way in the near future. Okay, guys, take care and see you soon.